back to the coven. I'm your host, Shweta Sundarajan, and I am the legendary Wicked Witch of the Sound Waves. Joining me today is... Dylan. And today, we'll be taking a look into what, or maybe who, is bubbling in the cauldron, J.K. Rowling. As you guys know, J.K. Rowling is the author of the classic book series, Harry Potter, and all of its spinoffs. In recent years, she's become quite a controversial character in the public light. She's been destroying her successful career one tweet at a time, starting with her revealing that Dumbledore, the headmaster of Hogwarts, was gay in 2007, right after the last Harry Potter book was published. But there was no hinting in the books that Dumbledore was remotely gay. And when this news came out, a lot of people hailed Dumbledore as his triumph from for LGBTQIA representation. So let me ask you this. Do you think Rowling's LGBTQ representation really mean anything if it actually isn't represented in the books? I feel like it doesn't really represent anything at the moment until we get like an actual on-scene t- on-the-screen time with Dumbledore being in a gay relationship or else I really don't feel like it has any effect on the book series because he doesn't even seem remotely gay when you're watching the movies and when you're reading the books there is that one line that is in the books that says ah I remember a young girl in my youth what's that about I mean yeah. Rowling had to strike that out from the movie script herself I know it's so it's so weird like why would you come out after your books were published and then just give this random tidbit. If anything, uh, you should have said so in the books. And when a fan asked whether Dumbledore had ever found love, Rowling responded that she, quote, always thought of Dumbledore as gay. Then why didn't she write it in the books? That's my question. If she always thought of Dumbledore as gay, then why not put any indication in the books? For me, it kind of sounds like she wrote the books and then she was like, aha, wouldn't it be super cool if Dumbledore was gay? And she kind of just went retroactively. Yeah, she's kind of just like force feeding it down our throats. It's... It feels like it's not very conductive to the books. It's not helping any of the community get any representation in the books. And it's just like afterwards. And it looks like it's nice on the outside, but it's really not. It's more of just like a pandering to a certain thing to get more readers. Right, right, right. And... A lot of fans thought Dumbledore's sexuality would be more explored in the Fantastic Beasts uh, film. I think it was Crimes of Grindelwald, but apparently not. According to the director of the film, David Yates, uh, they said that they just wouldn't explore Dumbledore's sexuality, which blows my mind because for those of you who are not Harry Potter fans, it is said that Dumbledore and a the dark wizard Grindelwald shared a, quote, special relationship. But if that's the case, then why don't they explore that in the movie that literally the title is Crimes of Grindelwald? They should have explored it more. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, they should have gone with it because you do see a lot of Dumbledore in that, even though it takes place mostly in France. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Is it in France? I thought it was in America. Mm, no. This is after the American one. Um, they go to France. Right. You have okay. Newt's Commander and all of the other people. They're all in France this time. And we get to see Nicholas Flamel, which I thought was amazing. That movie was so bad that I kind of just erased it from my memory. I actually went and I saw that movie in the theaters for uh, Bite at the Movies. And oh my god, I'm sorry, I was not a fan. I am the biggest Harry Potter fan, but oh no, that movie was just, it was a train wreck, in my opinion, man. I mean, I like the movie. I like the special effects. The Dragon of Fire and Crimes of Grindelwald was pretty great. That was pretty that great, was but amazing. other than that... Other than that, it was kind of just like, eh. Yeah. I can turn this on and I can kind of just tune it out. Yeah, it's like that kind of movie when you just play it on your screen and you can work on something else. And then you look over at your computer screen and you're like, ooh, pretty ooh. fire. Yeah. That's all it is, really. Um, honestly, I was very disappointed with that movie. But Rowling's little tidbits doesn't just stop with Dumbledore. She just keeps tweeting these little like fun facts about her series and she won't stop. So take for example this minor character Anthony Goldstein. In uh, December 2014 a fan asked her if there are any Jewish people at Hogwarts and Rowling tweeted that Anthony Goldstein 
was a Jewish wizard. But there's no mention of Jewish people in the books. I mean, like, there's no... If if there were Jewish people in Hogwarts, then wouldn't they celebrate Hanukkah? Why did they just celebrate Christmas? I have no clue. Like, why would wizards celebrate anything like that? Exactly. Why? Why? If anything, why are wizards celebrating muggle holidays? Exactly. Right? It's weird. So, I mean, okay, if there were Jewish people in the books, that then leads me to believe that there are students of other religions and of other faiths and backgrounds and so on and so forth. So, if they celebrate Christmas, then why don't they celebrate Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or... Any other... uh... Why weren't there any decorations like that in, like, the books or the movies? The movies gave us visual representation of what a Christmas at Hogwarts looks like. Right. But where's the other representation? Like... Where is it? it? Yeah, why? Again, I'm going to pose this question. Why is she coming out after and, like, giving all of these tidbits when it was never written in the book? Like, Rowling is so good at world building, but I feel like she's destroying her own world that she's built one tweet at a time which is counterproductive is it not i feel like it is i mean you're kind of poking holes in your own plot yeah i mean i saw some plot holes in the book that were kind of covered up and kind of fixed but man is she just poking holes in her own plot like right now by giving us this extra information right because we never see any representation for anything else in the books or in the movies. And we have yet to see anything in Fantastic Beasts that would hint at this stuff either. So yeah. what is she really doing? Is she just feeding us information to pander to the public? Or is she... Yeah, what is she doing? I don't know. I have I don't know what she's doing. And, like, another, another instance. Hermione's race. So a while... Oh, my God. A while ago... Um, Rowling supported a fan theory that Hermione is black. But in the third book, there is a line that reads, Hermione's white face was sticking out from behind a tree. So she's literally going against her own writing, her own words. And if anything, uh, Rowling described her black characters as black She's literally explicitly said that they are black. Like, for example, the characters Dean Thomas, Kingsley Shacklebolt, and Blaise Zabini. She's explicitly said that they are black. So why are you going back and you're and saying that Hermione is black when you have explicitly written her as white? And I mean, like, I know that it wasn't explicitly explicitly said when describing Hermione like it was said that she had uh, frizzy hair and I, I don't know but like I just remember that saying that she had frizzy hair but when I was when I was reading the books as a kid I always saw Hermione as white in my head yeah me I mean too. she doesn't have to Rowling doesn't necessarily have to say that Hermione is this race or not but subtextually I feel like she wrote Hermione as white I, I can agree with that. I feel that that is exactly what happened. In my head as a kid when I was reading the books, I always imagined Hermione as white. And it's just like there in the subtext. Mm-hmm. I mean, she never comes out and explicitly says it in the books, but that's what you imagine when you're reading through it. I don't know why. It's just what I imagine. Yeah, I just, I don't, I mean, sure, you can you can imagine how, what Hermione looks like, whatever, because it is how you interpret the books. But by coming out and just saying that Hermione is like suddenly now black, who are you pandering to now, man? You could have just left it alone. You could have left how people interpret Hermione to the readers, right? And I mean, I think in the Cursed Child play, uh, Hermione was played by a black actress, which I think brought about a lot of controversy. And I guess she was responding to that, but when she was responding to that, it kind of backfired. Yeah. So I'm like, leave the interpretations to the readers. I don't know why she's ruining the series for people, because I grew up on Harry Potter. Harry Potter yeah. was my childhood, but now when I see all the all the stuff that she's tweeting, it's like slowly ruining the books for me. I can agree with that. Um, Harry Potter... Big part of my childhood. First movie came out in 2001. I was born in 2001. Um, So I might not have been able to watch it like 
early on, but I did watch the films. I read the books when I was in middle school. I'm a big nerd. Read the books all the time. I read them forward and I read them in backward order. Wow. It was uh, it was not fun. Reading it backwards, reading it in reverse, you get to see them de-age, and the storyline just doesn't make sense if you try and read the books in backward order, but... Well, naturally. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I feel like it's slowly devolving. The more you add, the more you force on the reader, you should leave a lot of stuff up to reader interpretation. Right. Only con- confirm or deny something that you can't create a plot hole by confirming or denying. Like my, just... like my creative prof- uh, professors tell me, show, don't tell. I mean, that's a, that's a, as a writer, there's a difference between screenwriting, like writing for film, because when you're writing for film, you're telling the readers and the viewers what to see. But whereas when you're writing a book, there's a chunk of it where you leave it to the readers and to their imagination and to, to to the interpretation of the readers. That's the magic of Harry Potter. When I was reading it, I could just picture it in my head. But she's like telling us what to see and that's so counterproductive, counterintuitive. I, it's just, I'm so filled with <laughs> anger that the words aren't coming to me anymore. I don't know what, what you'd call it if it'd be counterproductive or uh, counterintuitive. But I feel like when you take away the imagination of the reader, it really changes the whole thing. I mean, when I read, I read the books before I watched the movies. So I didn't have Daniel Radcliffe as my image of Harry Potter. Right. I imagined this scrawny, pale, little pasty boy with black hair, mm-hmm. lightning bolt scar, and stunning green eyes just there at you. And he's like, I'm a wizard? Oh my gosh. What I saw, and then what I saw on the screen what I saw in my head versus what I saw on the screen, it didn't match up exactly, but I was still enraptured by the magic and brought into the story by the actors who were playing the characters because they did very well jobs. Exactly. But they mostly matched up to what my ideal of what Hogwarts was like. Mm-hmm. Of course, I always thought that you could have more spells to do more than one thing. I was more creative with the spells but yeah. than what the characters in the movies were, but it's, it's all good. I do want to talk about uh, representation that Rowling includes in the film. And as someone who is Indian, I really wanted to see some Indian representation in the films. And the only representation I got was Parvati and Padma Patel, which, oh my God, let me tell you, that angered me. Because why, like, why do I only get representation in the form of two minor characters. The only time where Parvati and Padma Patel were ever mentioned was for in the Yule Ball. Like, they were only dates for Ron and Harry in the Yule Ball, which angered me so much because it's like, I see myself and Parvati and Padma, like, in them, but they're only used as dates for these white characters? Really? I mean, come on, man. Representation is so important. Growing up, I didn't really see myself represented on screen. And like I've said before, Harry Potter was such a pivotal, it played such a pivotal role in my childhood. And oh my God, let me tell you, in the movies, what were Parvati and Padma wearing? Those were like the most ugliest half saris that I've ever seen. Like, what is that color combo? If okay, if you guys don't remember, Parvati and Padma Patel were wearing this egregious combination of like pink, orange, and purple half saris. Oh my god, it was horrible. It was horrid. It's just like they called them dress robes, but no, they were really half saris, and they were disgusting. I don't know who picked out that design, but no, just no, 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 no. Very strong opinions about that, but. I was I was pissed off because of like she tried to put in representation but I don't think that was enough. Like for example, the only Asian character, her name was Cho Chang. Really? Cho Chang like you couldn't have come up with a better Asian name. It didn't even have to be alliterative. That's like no. so <laughs> racist. I mean, it- yeah, it kind of sounds like a, like low key. You, I mean, all of her names for characters of color were so stereotypical. Like, yeah, I know Patel is a very uh, common Indian name, but come on, like 
there are other Indian names. Like you could have named them Shweta. You know, like little like little plug for J.K. Rowling next time. Like, come on, man. I mean, seriously, like Cho Chang, really. I mean, a- like Asians have, I-, I guess, like quote normal names. Like, I I don't know how else to put it without offending anyone. But really, Cho Chang, really. I'm I'm at a loss for words. I I really don't know. I I don't know, man. But why do you think it's problematic that? Uh, Rowling keeps trying to be more inclusive after the books have been published. It's because she's trying to cater to different cultures and peoples and trying to get more readers for her books. But I feel like it's problematic because it's after the fact. You No one sees them in the movies. You're just adding these facts afterwards. And it's like, yeah, we're getting we're getting something, but no, it's it's really not. She's just it's like kind of failing miserably. Yeah, I agree with that. It's failing to really represent anyone because mm-hmm. after the fact, you're not really getting represented in the movies or anything at all, and it's really sad. Yeah, because you want to see diversity in today's films. Exactly. And I mean, definitely we've been seeing a push in representation, but I mean, come on. I feel like with her tweeting all of these little facts and tidbits, it kind of sounds like she's trying to stay relevant. Yeah. Which, much. like, if you want to stay relevant, then publish more books that have more inclusivity. Why do you keep going back to your greatest works and keep trying to change that? If anything, she's putting more holes into her own story, story, which is so counterproductive. Like, Rowling, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? I mean, I I do want to touch upon the subject of Nagini. So this, this one really, really, really ticked me off, let me tell you. So when the production for Fantastic Beasts Crimes of Grindelwald was happening, it was revealed that Nagini, who is Voldemort's creepy pet snake, was actually a maledictus. So a maledictus is a person who is cursed to transform into an animal for increasingly long periods of time until the transformation eventually becomes permanent. So when I when I read this, when I heard this news, my thoughts on this was like, oh, this is cool and interesting like I didn't know this and so I'm glad that they're I guess going into the backstory of Voldemort's creepy pet snake so okay that's cool but get this Nagini is played by a South Korean actress Claudia Kim which is kind of weird and creepy and slightly racist considering that Nagini is Voldemort's pet so we're basically making an Asian woman subservient to a white man that's totally not weird or racist at all. What do you think about this? What do you think about the casting of Nagini? Is it is it racist? I feel like this might definitely be racist because British culture has conquered many countries. We all remember. Um, going back a little while, going back a few years, like decades, centuries maybe. I don't know. I don't remember when they did this, but I do know that they had um, ties with India, and I feel... Like, this was kind of really, really racist to some of the countries that they have been in. And this is using British history, so I'm just like, oh. I don't know a lot about British history, but I do know just a tiny bit. And this is not setting, this is not being, like, a good thing. Yeah, it honestly, to me, it kind of feels like they're fetishizing Asian women, you know, because, like... If Nagini is Asian and then she ends up turning into Voldemort, who I'm going to assume is a white man, but we can't really know because the man is like half snake. Because oh, we did get Tom Riddle, we did see Tom Riddle. Okay, so yeah. So yeah, before he became a snake, which okay, I do want to pose a question. So, do you think like since Voldemort doesn't have a nose? Do you think he smells with his tongue like an actual <laughs> snake? Because I was this morning I woke up and I was thinking about this. And what, what do you think? Do you think he smells with his tongue since he doesn't? I bet doesn't he does have, because if he, I he doesn't have a nose. But he doesn't have a nose. He can't use his olfactory senses like with his nose. I mean, like, yeah, he's got he's got like two holes in his face. But like he doesn't have a nose. Or do you think it's plastic surgery gone wrong? I feel like that's what it is. It might be plastic surgery gone wrong. I don't know. Dark ritual gone wrong. Definitely. He looks like a snake. 
He really does. Oh, God. I don't okay. know. Man <laughs> gives me the heebie-jeebies. Nope, nope, nope. But um, personally, I kind of got pissed off when I saw Rowling's response to this controversy. So on Twitter, she posted this, and I quote, The Naga are snake-like mythical creatures of Indonesian mythology, hence the name Nagini. They are sometimes depicted as winged, sometimes as half-human, half-snake. Indonesia comprises of a few hundred ethnic groups, including the Javanese, Chinese, and Bedawi. Have a lovely day. Let me tell you, this is false. Nagini is actually the Sanskrit word for a powerful female deity in the form of a snake. The mythology originated in India, not Indonesia. And it is found in the religions of Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I kind of knew that the Naga and the peoples had originated from India because I think of, what's that one Hindu goddess when I think of Nagini? Like, uh, I think of that one Hindu goddess, the one that's... There's a lot, man. I mean, we've the got... The one that's really angry, the holding the head of the husband. Oh, uh, Kali? It might be her. Yeah, she's got the really long uh, tongue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's Kali, yeah. Yeah, I think of her when I hear... Okay. Like, Nagini. Okay. I mean, I'm not quite sh- I'm not quite sure about that. Please don't quiz me on my Hindu mythology. I don't, I don't know either. It's I... been a while since I've studied any... Mythology that has come from Hinduism and anything like that. I'm very rusty, but as a practicing Hindu, I can most definitely assure everyone that uh, Nagas are from Indian mythology because I have read myths about Nagas in like in the stories that my mom used to tell me. So to open Twitter and see that J.K. Rowling has just messed up her research so much. That she's just attribute like sure I I guess like the myth of the Nagas could have migrated to Indonesia and is in Indonesian culture, culture, but that doesn't mean it necessarily originated there. Like do your research, man. I mean a quick Google search of Naga will show you that it is, it is a motif of Hinduism and Hindu mythology, not Indonesian mythology. So it's kind of like. Rowling, what are you doing, man? Like, she's so... It, it baffles me because Rowling is so good at word building uh, or world building. There we go. <laughs> world building that she... Like, I mean, I like I assume she's done so much research for her story and for Harry Potter that it's like, so you did all this research, but you fumbled on this very simple matter. I've seen better fan fictions that have great research that go into mythology Better than, better than this tweet does. <laughs> right, right. I know. It's, oh my God, it baffles me, man. Like, just, uh, it's it's crazy. Um, but recently, I want to delve into Row- Rowling specifically and kind of deviate, uh, like, from the books. So if you've been on Twitter or just on the internet in general, you might have heard that Rowling has gotten herself into quite a bit of hot water. I've seen. Yes. I have read. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the controversy concerning Rowling occurred after she responded to an article discussing menstruation products and she basically took issue with the phrase people who menstruate. So she basically, in a tweet, she basically implied that only women experience periods, which is transphobic because trans men and non-binary people still can menstruate. And one would think that after a controversy like this, you would kind of back down and you would apologize to the people that you have offended and that you have marginalized. But no, Rowling does not back down. Instead, she basically spewed out this whole plethora of anti-trans tweets, and she's written a bunch of essays. Yeah, over like a few blogs with yeah. like 3,000 words. I, oh, this is just... my God. And I mean... I will read out the tweet for you. So she said, people who menstruate, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wumbin, wimpund, wumund. Like, 
what does that like what does that even mean and i mean she she didn't even relent she posted another tweet and she said i quote if sex isn't real there's no same sex attraction if sex isn't real the lived lived reality of woman globally is erased i know and i love trans people but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives it isn't hate to speak the truth what do you think about this i'm pretty sure that it's not sex we're trying to change here i'm pretty sure it's like gender yes gender is fluid yes i feel like she's confusing sex and gender Probably. Okay. There was, I did read the article that you sent. Yes. Um, There was a tweet by a physician that directly stated that sex and gender, not the same. Not the same thing. Yeah. For those of you, like, to clarify any confusion. So sex, correct me if I'm wrong. So sex is the biological parts. parts that one is born with. Yeah. Whereas gender is how you identify. What Rowling is doing is that she is she thinks that both are one and the same, which is not true. Like, I am I am born with XY chrome. Is it XY? I'm for, pretty sure it's XX for women and then XY for XX. men. XX. I am I am not. I do not have XY chromosomes. <laughs> I apologize. Um, unless my parents are not telling me something. Um, <laughs> But I, I am, I am born. My sex is female, and I, I just happen to identify as female. But that doesn't apply for everyone. Someone may be born as male, but they can identify as female. They can identify as non-binary. non-binary. They can ide- That is gender. I feel like that's something that a lot of people get confused, and trying to set the record straight. Rowling, they're not the same. And I mean, she said that, like, she continued to say that I respect every trans people's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable with them. And she's like, at the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hateful to say so. Okay, here's the thing. I get expressing your views and expressing your opinions, but when those opinions directly affect the livelihoods of real people and Rowling holds so much power she's a public figure she has the influence to sway the opinions of a lot of people and when you post something that's so hurtful and harmful and damaging and trans people have already been so marginalized in society and you you as someone who has power you say something like this you're already endangering trans people I don't know what to say. I, I mean, she's just like, ooh. Really, I don't know. And it's like, she again, she posted a lengthy essay post on her website, and it literally says TERF Wars. So TERF is an acronym that stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. So to break that down, it's feminists that like are inclusive to everyone except trans people so they uh turfs don't view trans women as real women women which is whack because trans women are women like and again what defines a woman as a woman as I as I was talking about in my uh, in episode 1 when we were talking about caster please Seminia what makes a woman a woman, right? I feel like J.K. Rowling is being very exclusionary. Just, I don't know. Um, And obviously after these tweets, uh, she got a lot, a lot of uh, backlash from her fans because Harry Potter is is this world where a lot of kids found solace. Yeah. I mean, it was it was my place of comfort. It was somewhere when I opened a Harry Potter book, I could just escape. Yeah, you can escape reality when you open a book. Yes. It's supposed to be your place where you can go and be anything you want to be. Yeah. Or you can just like escape reality and start imagining a movie if you want. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, like, for me, I, every day when I would ride home on the bus, I would have a Harry Potter book. And, like, my mom would be like, why are you why are you carrying these, like, big, big, big Harry Potter books in your bag? Like, they must be so heavy. But, no, like, when it, whenever I would ride home on the bus, like, I would read them and I would just forget all of my troubles and I would forget all of my worries that had happened at school. And I would just, I would become this amazing wizard, like, gallivanting with the golden trio on their adventures. Like, that was my escape. And I feel like Rowling is just destroying that. Yeah, she's kind of making too many plot holes for her story, and then she's also making it so... It just angers me just a little bit. I'm kind of sorry. But she's making it so hard for new people to get into her books, and with the new book she's writing, ooh. that's just like, ooh, don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Let us That's a public relations disaster right there, people. Let us get into that. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> J.K. Rowling, uh, this is, I feel like this is like the most recent piece of news that I've heard uh, come out of the whole Harry Potter fandom. So, um, <laughs> she, oh lord. So, for those of you who don't know, J.K. Rowling, um, she's been writing more books after uh, her Harry Potter, Potter publication. Books. And she publishes books under her pen name Robert Galbraith? Oh, God, please don't. I I cannot pronounce names on this podcast. I'm so sorry. But, uh, yes, so she is writing a book called um, Trouble Blood, and it is a book on... Oh, my God. A man who cross-dresses and kills Kills females. Yep, yep, exactly. So the Telegraph called Trouble Blood a book whose moral seems to be never trust a man in a dress, which sounds a little bit transphobic. Maybe not a little bit. Maybe a lot transphobic. (sighs) It's just like, you don't want to touch that. I'm a public relations major, letting you all know. So you wouldn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Like, because this would cause a lot of backlash, and I'm sure J.K. Rowling's public relations person has to be working ten times as hard now, thanks to all of this. It's just, ugh. She's just digging herself further and further. Into the hole. Yeah. She could have just stopped. She really just could have stopped. But no, she just wants to dig herself deeper into the hole she's digging. And I mean... Like, seriously, come on. Really? Of all the things that you could write, a book about a man who cross-dresses to kill women. Like, trans people are already so marginalized, and they face discrimination on a daily basis. Why are you making it worse? For them. For them. If anything, we should be supporting trans people. Trans people are people. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. I don't see what the problem is in accepting them. Everyone is the same on the inside. If you just look past nationality, color, gender, whatever, you should just be able to accept people for who they are. And if they're like a cool person, just accept their personality. Yeah. That's all you need to have. It's a good personality. People are people. I don't really I don't really discriminate like who I make friends with. I have I have a lot of trans friends. I have a lot of non-binary friends. I have friends who identify as anything everything. I like I I have a very diverse group of friends. Why am I friends with them? Because they are cool and they are nice people. I am not friends with them because, oh, they are this gender or they are this. No. You just become friends with them because they're genuine people. You like them. You like their personality. I mean, yeah. what's what's the difference? I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. And I mean, like, she's... <sighs> She's she's kind of like talking like there trans people trans people will like come into bathrooms and like to attack them. When has that ever no, happened? I have not heard a news story that has confirmed anything that she is like Never. trying to say. I feel like she's trying to imply that trans people like are are like these like peeping toms. Trans people trans people are not cross dressers. I don't know how much I need to emphasize that. Trans people are people that 
I, I don't know. I just, I'm at a loss for words because there, there's no other way I can emphasize that trans people are people. I mean, for example, like I, I read this news that the Philippines president, uh, Robert, Roberto Duarte, he pardoned a U.S. Marine for killing a trans woman. Literally, what? I this, don't get that. This U.S. Marine killed a trans woman for being herself. Why do people no still have these biases and these prejudices? Why can't we move past that? And I get it. Like, some people um, have preferences. And that is okay. But you cannot... It's not right when you actively discriminate against someone. And... To kill someone or to attack someone? I mean, how many stories have you read where trans people have been attacked while they were going for a walk or while they were in public? I mean, I have seen several news stories that are related to that, and I am just astounded. I mean, you got these people are people just like us. You gotta break down biases, you gotta change. The world keeps continuously changing, and if you're not changing with it, then what are you? You're stuck in the past, you're prejudiced, and you need to kind of work on yourself. To become a better person. Exactly. Because you got to be a better person to create a better future. Exactly. And it brings up the point, what have, tra- what have trans people ever done to you? Nothing. Nothing. Like, they're living their own lives. They're happy with their gender identity. Once, it, like, what are they even doing to you? Because, like, I've read stories of where uh, trans women were, like, going on walks or trans people were going on walks and then they just got attacked by this random person just for... And they've been called, like... It doesn't, it doesn't sl- make sense. It l- physically does not make sense. And, again, I'm very, very, very disappointed with Rowling for being transphobic and being very exclusionary because i mean i've seen a lot of not young non-binary and young trans people tweet at rowling and say like hey your books made me feel happy and made me feel welcome and why are you saying this why are you doing this i have no clue i i feel like this is such a bad thing for rowling to be doing her books have literally helped hundreds of people escape reality um the movies just great i liked them but what she's saying now is not conductive to any part of society, and it's very hurtful to the people who are literally in love with the world and the story itself. Mm-hmm. It's, oh my god, like, it's disappointing. It really is. I mean, um, when I when I was doing research on it, there... There are so many instances where Rowling has just messed up. I mean, not even like not even just with Dumbledore and adding all of these facts in after the books were published. And I mean, and not even with Nagini, but like if if we're going back to that, um, if we want to go back to that, we can talk about the Ivo Mori school. Yes, yes, I, that is something that I wanted to talk about because That's... again. Other than being transphobic, Rowling has been accused of having cultural appropriation. Oh my gosh, the poor Native Americans. She has just taken their culture and misrepresented them. I read the article. I thought that that was the biggest kibosh and like the biggest nail in her coffin. I did not like that. That was not cool. I don't even remember what the article said. I just remember that it was misappropriating Native American culture. And I was just like, oh my gosh, those people have been, you know, put under so much. We literally came over and then subjugated them and then shoved them off onto reservations. And now they just don't get any representation at all. And I feel like it's, oh my gosh. Sorry, I'm kind of... Yeah, so for those of you who are not as ardent fans of Harry Potter as Dylan and I are, so uh, J.K. Rowling has a site uh, called Wizarding World, like Pottermore, um, and that's kind of where she posts a lot of Harry Potter tidbits and so on and so forth. And so she uh, created this 
American version or American version of Hogwarts called Ilvin Mori. And um, Ilvin Mori takes a lot of, I guess you could say, inspiration for lack of a better word, from Native Native American American culture, which has brought up another swarm of accusations of cultural appropriation and how it is uh, problematic. So, um, oh my God. So basically the story of Ilvin Mori, to kind of sum it up, is that there is this wizard who, she lives in England, and so she basically comes over to the New World because she gets like chased out of England by her creepy aunt something person and so it kind of she like she comes she comes to america and she forms long story short she forms her own school uh ilvin mori and her the four houses in the school School. are are taking inspiration from native american mythology Mm, but see (laughs) Huh, it's it's interesting because um you're kind of she she basically improperly used these legends whereas if we take if we take Rick Riordan for example Rick Riordan is the author of another hit series Percy Jackson and while Rick Riordan takes uh uses Greek mythology Mythology. to teach kids about Greek mythology, J.K. Rowling uses Native American mythology to kind of fill her own needs, to kind of fill the holes in her book book. and in her story. And um, she, oh my God, excuse me, but uh, so there's this one character in uh, her Ilvin Mori story. So it's called a Puckwidgey. So, um, puck. So the Puckwidgey is a um, creature in traditional. Uh, I'm going to pronounce mispronounce this. Uh, Wam Wampanoag culture. Uh, Wampanoag. Wampanoag. Thank you. That might be it. I'm pretty sure. Wampanoag. So Wampanoag. Um, Wampanoag is a tribe, a Native American, American tribe. tribe. So. Um, in Wampanoag culture, Pugwidgees are these spirit-like creatures known for tormenting and murdering the people that they lure into the forest. Um, but this new magical rendition of this kind of portrays them as these goblin, grumbling goblin creatures that serve Ilvamori as security gu- guards. And again, there's another one, the Horned Serpent. Uh, it's the horn serpent is kind of considered as a symbol of wisdom and divination in both Native American folklore um, and specifically from like the Great Lakes region and the southern eastern woodlands um, area. So, but in in the Ilvin Mori, in J.K. Rowling's version, essentially, um, it's she kind of just turns the horn serpent into a shiny water snake, and. It's like it's such an unflattering rewrite for such a noble and revered creature in Native American culture. I'm pretty sure she also stole the skinwalkers from the Navajo culture in the West and made them into something that they're not because I did read a few of the articles and there was one um, response by a Native American man about it. I don't remember exactly which article it came from. But I do know that they, she probably did take the skinwalker from Navajo culture. Right. And that seems, and she might have twisted. I I don't know. I haven't in-depth researched this as much as I probably should have. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if you're twisting Native American culture and creating your own version of it, that's just disrespectful to the culture itself. Exactly. Because it's taking their stories and turning them into something that they're not and just disrespecting the people. She's using them for her own personal gain. Yeah. So, again, that's the difference between J.K. Rowling and Rick Reardon. Rick Reardon uses Greek, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, Norse mythology, and instead of using them for his own personal gain, he uses that mythology in a proper respectful manner and he uses that to teach kids about greek mythology about roman mythology about norse mythology i mean 
that's where I learned most of my Greek mythology knowledge was from Percy Jackson. And all of the myths were represented correctly and were properly in, intertwined yeah. with his plots. Whereas with Rowling, she just takes all of these creatures and these myths and she kind of just turns them into her own personal game yeah her own personal game yeah i mean like for example like there there are four creatures that she uses and they all represent the houses of ilvenmori and i mean for example there's um there's a character like the thunderbird and they're representations of strength and majesty in a lot of stories from the Ojibwe and the Menomi tribes in Alangwik, I'm going to mispronounce this, oh my lord, uh, Alangwikun mythology. But Rowling just basically took the Thunderbird and she just kind of made it into um, a, like a small boy's favorite creature. So in in the story, like the... Um, the main the main character has two sons, and so the Thunderbird and the Wampus, which is another uh, character from a Cherokee myth, they both uh, she takes those both characters and she just basically demotes them into being these like favorite pets essentially, which is so disrespectful for a number of ways, like uh, it. I don't know. It it sounds like cultural appropriation. And honestly, if you want to represent a culture, do it right. Don't take it and use it for your own personal gain. Like, again, be like Rick Riordan. Don't be like J.K. Rowling, guys. Yeah. Um, The one she was trying to pronounce was Algonquin, which was here in Indiana. Really? At one point, I'm pretty sure it was here on the East Coast. I I know that it's on the East Coast, but I'm pretty sure that it was in Indiana at one point. Just like the Shawnee and the Mound Builders. All of those people. <sighs> Misrepresenting cultures is not okay. Please try and make sure that you're using... If you're using the mythology, make sure that you're representing it in the right way and not just taking it and making it in for your own personal gain. It's more respectful to the people who know their mythology and it's more respectful to the people who are of descent that has ties to the mythology or the religion that you're using the stories from i'm just a little bit upset because it's just taking a little bit of culture and destroying it and it's not being represented correctly i i honestly wish that rowling would have talked to an actual Native American or people from those tribes to get a more accurate representation or of an understanding of those characters. Like, for example, we're just going to go back to Rick Riordan because he is the gold standard right now. So Rick Riordan, um, a lot of fans have been asking him to write about Hindu mythology. But I was really proud of this. I was kind of scared that he would mess it up because Hindu mythology is still something that is widely practiced and believed in to this day. Whereas with like Greek mythology and Roman mythology, like it's no kind one, of a little bit dead. It's kind of a little bit dead. No one necessarily believes in that. So I was a little bit scared. I was like, oh my god, how is uh, Reardon gonna write this book about Hindu mythology without offending the millions of Hindus that are still living and practicing that religion and believe in those myths to this day. But Reardon actually had an Indian author write the books about Indian mythology. I do believe the book is called Aru Shah. Uh, and I, I, forget, I forget the title, but it's like Aru Shah and... Um, it's, it's called Arusha and the End of Time. And instead of Reardon writing it, he asked an author, Roshni Chokshi, to write this. And um, honestly, I think that was a very good decision by Reardon to pass, to have an Indian author write a story about Indian mythology. Like... He made a good decision because... He mostly writes about dead mythologies. He's covered Egyptians. Right. Um, he's done Egyptian work, Greek, Roman, Norse. There aren't many people believing in that anymore. And he passed it off to an Indian author, which I think is great because it's actually portrayed correctly instead of being distorted. 
Because exactly. Rorden probably admitted that he doesn't know anything about Hindu And mythology. it would be hypocritical if a white man wrote a wrote book about it. About, yeah, about Indian myth- or Hindu mythology. I apologize. Um, so, Rowling, take notes from Rick Riordan. Rick Riordan also writes LGBTQIA-friendly characters in his books. If you're a fan of Percy Jackson like I am, you you can name like at least like three or four characters that are identify as LGBTQIA or trans or gender fluid. He is very inclusive in his stories. Read Rick Riordan. Don't read J.K. Rowling, kids. So... That's all I have. Do you have any closing thoughts about J.K. Rowling? Any any strong, lingering feelings about our... I hope she kind of just pulls her act together and gets I feel on like the right a, track. I feel, like I, it's, I feel like that's past, but I can pray and I can hope. I feel um, like it's a little bit too late for that, but hopefully she can dig herself out of the hole that she's buried herself in. Hopefully... But honestly, at this point, I have no faith for J.K. Rowling. However, that's not going to stop me from watching the Harry Potter movies because it is spooky season. And when it's fall, see, Daniel Radcliffe wasn't in support of her. So yes, we are we are all for Daniel Radcliffe. I would like to say that a lot of the cast members did come out and support trans people. So that is a good thing. So not the actors were not complicit in J.K. Rowling's transphobia. I think uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, or Rupert, Rupert Grant. Grant. And I think there are a few others. Bonnie but I don't Wright, remember. I do believe. I think so, too. Yeah that, yeah, that might be right. Yeah. A lot of the cast members came out and supported trans people. I think uh, Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Harry Potter, he came out and he wrote an essay for The Trevor Project, which is a uh, nonprofit that supports LGBTQIA youth, I do believe. Um, but yeah, it's spooky season. I am going to cuddle up in bed with a hot mug of hot cocoa, and I'm going to watch Harry Potter because that brings me comfort. But that being said, we just because I like a movie or I like the books doesn't mean I support the author. And guys, be like Suzanne Collins. Write The Hunger Games and disappear into obscurity. Don't be like J.K. Rowling. Don't try and stay relevant. Don't try and stay relevant by saying all the wrong things, guys. But that's all I have for the coven. Join us next time and check out what's bubbling in the cauldron. I'm your host, Shweta Sundarajan, and joining me today was... Dylan. Bye, guys.